Welcome to The Mortgage Life, a space for down-to-earth conversations about how mortgages contribute to your life. Well, that sounds canned and maybe a little boring. What? There are so many parts to the mortgage industry and real estate finance we can explore and share with our listeners. Okay, you're right. You're right, Mindy. Our goal is to help secure our clients' financial future. I'm Pete Salamosi. I'm Mindy Bodwin. And I'm Sue Salamosi. We're your hosts. Welcome to The Mortgage Life. All right. So as some of you may have picked up from our past recordings, this in 2022, I moved from Vernon to Victoria. And as part of my trusted buyer team, I worked with Matthew Trainer. So Matthew Trainer turned out to be a wonderful realtor. He was an incredible asset to our transition to Victoria. Matthew helped us in so many ways, but above all, what I really enjoyed was our conversations. Interestingly enough, Matthew also works as a team. So as we kind of wade through this uncertain spring market, I thought Matthew would be a great guest to bring on to discuss not only working with a team, but to help us understand the state of the real estate market. So Matthew, hello and welcome. Hi, Mindy. Hi, Pete. Thank you both so much for allowing me to to share some information and some insight on your podcast. Thank you for that wonderful introduction, Mindy. I think the the team aspect of of things for me has always been super important i've always gravitated towards team building nurturing teams how to build a good team how to retain a good team and it goes back to even before real estate way back in the day i I had the pleasure of working for a restaurant group called the cactus club restaurant group for a little over a decade in the early 2000s they taught me so much in regards to teamwork to staffing they were and still are ranked one of the top 50 companies in the country uh you know for a reason for well over 12 years and that translated after that when i moved on that translated into a company that i started called the edge food energy company and uh, we made nutrition bars right here on vancouver island and it was a pretty cool story. We had a good seven, eight year run before we ended up selling the company. We sold a little over a million nutrition bars across Canada through 1200 retail partners. And I met some incredible people, including my wife along the way. But that that team building aspect in that company was so vital for us to be able to see such quick growth. During that time as well, when I was living up island, I was also a paid volunteer firefighter for the Qualicum Beach Fire Department, another huge aspect of learning how to be part of a team going out and and helping your community and 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 fighting fires and and helping people that team aspect is very important am i getting a little long-winded here no that sounds good to me i mean (laughs) basically like what you're saying is when you're firefighting you're trusting these people with your life You've got to you've got to have that full hundred and ten percent trust for everything that you're doing. Tell us a little bit about how you you kind of build that team for the real estate environment and um, what kind of expectations you guys have. Thank you for that segue because that was just where I was heading. Is is how does that you know my last twenty years working for a few different companies and owning my own company? How does that translate into real estate? Well, naturally, I was. I was definitely drawn to the team aspect. When you become a new uh, realtor, you can choose to go on your own or you could choose to be part of a group or have a partner or a team. And for me, I just instantly gravitated towards that and and saw the benefits. Um, I started my 
own group called the Trainer Real Estate Group. So I currently have a partner as well, and and we have a, a little mini team. We have a couple of assistants, and we have a marketing assistant because that's such a big part of our industry. The reason I think why the team aspect, which I think for you two as well, and with Sue and your guys' team is, is how can we, when we're in, in, in the sales industry, give the best client care we possibly can. And I think having one or two other people that you can rely on or more in your team to be able to deliver the best quality service to your to your clients, making sure that all their needs are met. I think when it comes to a client buying a home, they a buyer has expectations. It's the biggest purchase that they're going to be probably making in their life. And they have an expectation of, of trust and of efficiency competency, the contractual obligations and the details that go into that. And so being part of a team, making sure that your team members are trained and everybody that that time is put in so that everybody is on the exact same page is so important in a well-oiled machine. And that just translates to a better client experience. So I should say, Matthew said that Sue's not here today. She isn't. She was going to try to be on this, but she's right now in the Caribbean and her internet connection just is so unstable that we thought, no, it's not going to work. She actually suggested that she's going to lean on her team of Mindy and I to run this interview. So <laughs> nice. that's where yeah. she's at. Well said, Pete. Well said. Yeah. So interesting about the whole team aspect and how you can tie that, that sort of make that parallel all the way through your career. Sorry, my cat put herself into the garbage can, which is about this Great. big. I'm trying so hard. Very interesting how you can speak to a team, working as a team, and and sort of make that parallel all the way through your career. Uh, one of the questions that I have, and this is sort of an interesting way of looking at it, is what about your clients? What are your expectations of your buyer clients or your seller clients? Or are there any? For sure. And I think speaking to the mortgage industry, I mean, it's that first initial meeting of a buyer client, uh, you know, the most important thing is just to build a relationship, bring the walls down, get to know them, find some commonalities, build that relationship. But it's also important to make our job a bit more streamlined and to make their experience better and more streamlined, asking questions, finding out if they have spoken to a lender, if they've spoken to their bank or a mortgage broker in regards to, to having their lending. So there's there's an expectation we would have sitting down with them and, and figuring out exactly what it is that they're looking for in their next home. You know, that's an expectation that we would want to have figured out before we move to the process of going out and looking at homes. So lots of communication, lots of listening, active listening, hearing what they're saying, and then making them part of your team. So so now that you've got this team of not only your realtors and you've got your client, tell us a little bit about how that comes into the current market. So we've got an interesting market right now. We've kind of come from a very, very frantic market last year. And we've had rates go up quite a bit. So what does 2023 look like when you've got your team moving forward? And specifically, you know, we're just referring to the the market here in the greater Victoria area, Southern Vancouver Island. But yes, Pete, you, you hit the nail on the head. Like 2022 was, especially here on, on the island, was an extraordinary year. From January to June, it was literally the busiest market we've ever seen in, in the history of this city. And then from July to December, it was the slowest market we have ever seen in the history of the city. And I'm just going to say for the record, I did buy in November, so... 
Mindy was the one sale that happened yeah. in the second in that second part. Not of in year. May. And it was smart. We got a fantastic deal on a stunning property in South Oak Bay. Nice, mm-hmm. nice work, Mindy. <laughs> but yeah, and so we saw declining prices month over month over month. And this was, you know, we can look broader than Vancouver Island. It was happening all across BC and across Canada. But I think we had eleven straight months of of declining prices starting in July, and then the interest rates climbing so dramatically so quickly segue into now you know this the spring market here uh, in victoria is always a time of optimism seasons are changing we've in the past always seen a good uptick in 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 sales and rejuvenation and and i think yeah speaking on that on that optimism like it's definitely building i think you know there is still uh, uncertainty that we're seeing with with buyer clients i think still trying to to, to finalize and figure out the the, the finer details of, of of their lending situations but we did see strong sales in february we saw about 460 sales which was up about 36 percent over january which was super positive still down a little over 40 percent from february of 2022 that start of last year was was extraordinarily busy here in the city so our current market can you know, we're still stuck in this high sellers, low balanced market. You know, we have an extreme shortage of buyers, uh, mainly due to, again, the uncertainty and, and the, the, the interest rate bumps that have happened right up until last month. And we did see uh, a mid-month, so mid-month of February, we saw a drop in new listings, you know, but we still have a lot of active listings on the market. And so, you know, we're we're wondering right now if this if we could see to, to see prices start to climb again here in Victoria. Because typically when we have a shortage of, of of buyers and still a healthy amount of inventory and not as many new listings coming on the market, that can translate to to a price increase over over the next few months. So you mentioned a couple terms there that I think it would be kind of neat to just explore a little bit. You talked about uh, a seller's market and a balanced market. So can you define that for us? What, what makes it so that it's a seller's market? And I assume that a seller's market is where like sellers are getting a good amount of money for their real estate sale. Yes. And, and typically those like, so if you have a seller's market compared to a buyer's market, typically this is just that supply and demand, you know, ideally a balanced market is wonderful for everybody because there is a decent amount of inventory on the market. There's a decent amount of new listings coming on the market, and there's a decent amount of buyers in the market. And so the sellers are happy, the buyers are happy, and that's a, a nice balanced market. But when we see these swings, like we saw last year, uh, at the start of the year, it was an extreme high-end seller's market. Because they were getting a lot of money for their house. A lot of money in their house. But that can also translate to, and it, well, it does translate to, a franticness in the market, uh, high stress, unhappy buyers, because buyers, they don't have the time to be able to go through a house properly and to make educated decisions because it's all about throwing in offers and, and who's going to end up paying the most for the house usually wins. And then the swing into the an extreme buyer's market is obviously the opposite of that. And so every real estate market definitely loves to see a nice balanced market. So we are on the low end of a balanced market, still in a seller's market for sure. And and mainly just because of the shortage of buyers that we have. Yeah, I don't think we've quite swung into the buyer's market scenario. And it's yeah, going to be interesting if we in fact do, 
because if you're a seller, you're going to sell and then buy in this market. And again, there's that uncertainty and sellers, I think, are also trepidatious. Do you want to sell your home and purchase in this market? So I think this is part of the series that we're doing concurrently with this episode is our design in mortgages. I think a lot of people are renovating as well, right? Like, okay, we're going to stick with our home. We're going to take that extra, you know, 250000 and we're going to renovate. Everybody's trying to kind of work their way through this market, how how it best works for them and their family, I suppose. Definitely. So have, have the rates made any impact on whether there is more demand or less demand? Like, have you have you found that the, the increase in rates, has it affected your either the buyer side or the seller side? We've seen, uh, and speaking from me personally in the business I've done in the last few months, and then speaking with colleagues, we, we have seen uh, an uptick in investment properties come on the market. So directly related probably to the uh, climbing interest rates, making it less fruitful for an investor, especially if they're long-term renting or they have multiple suites in a home, condos that are no longer profitable just because of the costs of having to service the, the debt. And then I guess just the the fewer buyers being able to qualify, right? The second yeah. half of that is, mm-hmm. is yes, like like the, the the verbiage we've been using for the last two to three months is just there, there has been an extreme shortage of of buyers, and definitely compared to last year, but even historically over the last three or four years, you know, we're we're seeing an extreme shortage of buyers here in Victoria. So there's different kinds of buyers, one of which would be a foreign home buyer. So starting in January, we had the two-year ban on foreign home buyers. Has that made an impact in the Victoria market? Will it? Speaking with colleagues, we haven't seen a, a, a real major impact. Yeah. And that, I think that jives with what uh, Brendan Ogmanson from the BCREA, he's the, right. the chief economist. He, yeah. We actually, we put this question to him exactly. Out of a scale of zero to 10, he gave it a 0.5 impact. It was actually a scale of Brendan's. So it was a 0.5 Brendan's. So yes. So he he definitely thought that it didn't have an impact. And it's good to hear that from your side, you're not seeing that much of an impact. Okay. And then another question, if we want to continue down this path, talking about how frenzied the market was last year and how it has slowed down, homebuyer rescission period. Have you had any files where that's been implemented? Is this something that your colleagues are seeing? Are people using it? Our Victoria Real Estate Board came out, and I think we've seen two since the start of the year of actually that period clients walking away. Other than that, yeah, buyer clients have not been activating that rescission clause as of yet. It would have been interesting to see, obviously, with the government, a quicker rollout would have been impossible. But if it was implemented in June of last year, it would have been very interesting to see the impact of that um, heading over the months and up until the end of the year, where now it's it's happening and uh, the market is is completely opposite. It's it's very it's a slower market. So right, my buyer clients, it just seems to be a little bit of a formality, a little bit of extra paperwork on the contract and with disclosures. But I do feel like it is a positive thing, and it will be a positive thing moving forward in the years to come because it's it does enable though you know going through what we went through in the first six months of last year it's really not a a lot of fun for anybody for the young family buying their first home or or a couple buying their first townhouse you know not having time to make educated decisions and going through a property going back a second time if you needed to to make sure that you're making the right decisions 
you know, when that stuff doesn't happen, it can be a scary thing. And so I, I feel like this is having this rescission period moving forward as we, you know, we inevitably will see a busy market again and having that ability to make a little bit of a slower and smarter uh, decision. And if you do feel like you need to back out, having that in there so that you can, I think it's a positive thing for our industry. So this is a nice thing moving forward when we have potentially another frenzy period. Which will it will happen again. It'll happen. <laughs> and and I think that's a really good point in that the perhaps the the first time home buyers or people that are newer to the process to have to rush through the process and maybe go into an offer without any subjects, like a, a subject free offer. That is to me on a such a large investment. That's crazy because I'm the type of person that like triple checks, you know, my pair of jeans that I'm buying because I want to make sure that the hundred dollar jeans. Uh, maybe they're only 70. I don't even know. They're, you you want to make sure that they're they're right. So why wouldn't you do the same? Why wouldn't you take the time with your house? So it, that frenzy definitely does impact things. Could you imagine being a first-time homebuyer in the past two years? Wow. Yeah, it's a blur. And it's, it's it, yeah, it is a little bit sad too. Like, especially, and you know, I went through it and I had a handful of buyer clients and it's, yeah, it's, and then it can also be very frustrating as well when you continue keep losing out because you're not the one spending the most on the property because typically when it all you strip away all the layers of the onion through that process whoever pays the most in those markets is the one that usually wins so there was also a change recently to the strata properties in that there's some legislation that is going to prohibit the restriction on things like age or rental components yeah do you know if that has had any impact and have you felt any of that there, yeah, there's, there's, there's definitely, we haven't felt an impact yet, but we definitely will moving through this year. You know, it's a positive thing. It's, it's another government regulation to, to hopefully free up more housing and to have, there's so many stratas. I, I don't want to bore you with the, the, the statistics and I don't have them all in front of me, but many, many, many buildings that restrict anybody under the age of 18. And then you can get into the seniors buildings and then think about rental restrictions as well. You know, all the buildings that don't allow any type of rental. So freeing all of that up, you know, will hopefully help to alleviate a little bit of our the housing crisis that we have here in, in BC. But it is interesting to, to see the, the little loophole that the government forgot to address with the over 55 seniors buildings. Did you guys hear about that? No, no, tell no. us. It was the one aspect that's been missed. And so it's just a quick Google search and you can you can bring it up. And it's literally after the, the list of everything with the stratas from all the restrictions. And then the one they didn't address uh, was the plus 55 senior buildings. And so basically now what we're seeing in, in the last 60 days and we're going to see continuing until this gets corrected is a lot of stratas are considering changing their rules to become an over 55 building so that they can, yeah, it's pretty interesting. Right. And so that would be just for the age restriction. Correct. Or, or what, but the rental restrictions would still be allowed. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it's quite the, quite little topic. So I could see, you know, I, I know some folks who live in a wonderful strata property in downtown Vancouver and Everybody in that building is of that age group and it's not technically a 55 plus. I don't think they want renters in there. I don't think they want young families in there. So yeah, that would be an example of a building that would then yeah. basically remodel themselves. Interesting. Yeah. So I have to say when you, when you said that there was a loophole and you said that there's something about stratus, for some reason, my mind went to there's 
there's like a prohibition on like pickleball or something. I don't know. I thought it was going to be something ridiculously silly, but that's just they me. Can't it... prohibit pickleball. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's the latest craze. Is it big in Victoria? It's got uh, Yeah. Pickleball is just, yeah, it's, it's gotten out of control. I'd say in the last like year and a half. Yeah. I mean, if, if people aren't playing pickleball, that's probably, they're going to be restricted. I play pickleball since I moved to Victoria. I try to get out <laughs> once a week, once every two weeks. It's actually quite fun. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love it. I'd be afraid of rupturing my other Achilles. All right. So let's, let's get to the really cool part. Cause we had a really cool, we've got some really cool tips that Matthew's going to share with us here. So we're, we want to find out any tips or insights that you might have Matthew for people looking to purchase a home or an investment home right now. Well, I would share number one, finding a good realtor that can represent your, your needs specifically. You're heading out to buy the, your next property or your first property. You want to make sure that the process goes smoothly and efficiently. So, you know, any strategies, I think too, like it, it's an important part of it is, is the relationships that realtors have with each other in the industry. Because when it comes to submitting an offer on a home that you love, having your realtor uh, hopefully have a great relationship with the selling agent, it, it can be beneficial, especially if there is one or two offers on the table. Relationships do matter for sure. But when it comes to bidding and, and trying to win the property in this market, we're not seeing a lot of competition, which is nice. It, it offers more time for buyers to make a more educated decision for sure. And so then I guess there wouldn't really be any overarching strategies right now. It's because the market has cooled a bit, there's more time allowed in the process. So are buyers able to do the traditional, you know, two weeks conditions precedent subject to financing, subject to home inspection? Are we getting back to a more normal pace like that? We definitely are. On on the few listings I've had in the last month and a bit, we're we're seeing like an average of one and a half to two weeks of conditions. A lot of times we're seeing that second showing happen, uh, which is nice to see again. But yes, we've we've seen a definitely a dramatic change uh, in how busy the the market is, which is nice, and it's it's great for for buyers to be able to do that, and it's great for buyers to be able to have a good solid financing condition on their offer and and give you guys the time to do what you do so well. So maybe the strategy is just to trust your instincts. That is always a great strategy, and it's nice to be able to have the time to <laughs> to to have have that ability to trust your own instincts. Yes. And not be rushed and, and frenzied. There's one quick question I wanted to add. Um, Cause I still obviously keep my eye on the market. It seems to me that there's quite a price difference in listings in, in this Victoria market. I, and I try to sort of figure out, you know, why is this property listed at 2.7 and this is 2.2 and this is 1.7 coming from the Vernon market. It, it didn't seem to be that sort of big price gap in similar properties. Is that a common thing in the Victoria market or is there, is there something else going on? What is happening? Well, I remember, I remember you commenting on that several times when, when we were shopping at the end of last year. And, and I think, yeah, it's hard to pinpoint it exactly. I think as listing agents, we take direction from our clients when it comes to, to listing their home and how they want to present their home to the public. And then ultimately the price as well. But I think from that, like October through to January, when when the market 
was starting to change and starting to slow down even more, you still, there's like this lag period that, that we see sometimes from, from when markets change and, and really it happens so quickly from that June, July, August, and then more so towards the end of the year, uh, when it slowed down even more dramatically, you still have sellers that decide that they want to list their home, but they're kind of stuck in the price realization of what they went through in, in that busy market. And so you see them going, well, I think we should try this on. Let's, they call up the realtor, let's say list. And they may be thinking that $2.5 million price when in the new market, it might be a 1.9 or a $2 million price. And so, yeah, and it's, it's, it's about us as realtors managing expectations with our sellers, trying to advise properly, show them, you know, any kind of market comparables and statistics to that day that can help make a more educated decision on the listing price. Sometimes that doesn't always translate to what we actually list at. Your home is only worth what the next person is willing to pay for it. It's probably a really good spot to leave it. Matthew, thank you so much for your insights into this spring market, into the Victoria, the great, uh, the, what is it? The capital, capital regional district, CRD? Yeah. Is that what it is? There it is. CRD, we a little bit of uh, info on the general BC market. And um, yeah, just on your tips for buyers. My pleasure. Thank you so much, Mindy and Pete for having me. Yes, thank you, Matthew. I'm excited to bring Victoria to the mortgage life, broaden our horizons a little bit. And I do love the mortgage life in your guys' podcast. Keep it, uh, keep it rolling. You guys are doing a great job to spread information and more wealth of knowledge to your clients. This is the mortgage life. We look forward to continuing the conversation. So come back and listen.